With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Friday afternoon, February 3rd, 2023. Continuing the conversation leading up to the St. Louis Cardinals 2023 season. Spring training from this moment in time, just over a week away from seeing the players, particularly the World Baseball Classic guys, report down to Jupiter, Florida just over a week from now and get the ball rolling on spring camp 2023. Last episode, a couple of days ago, We spent some time rehashing comments that President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak made back at winter warm-up a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to kind of dive into the next part of that today because there were some comments specifically about the payroll situation that I thought were interesting, some, some great questions that were asked by folks like Derek Gould, Ben Fredrickson that John Mozeliak had a response to, and we Wanted you to get a chance to hear it if you hadn't by now, which a lot of folks probably did, probably read on Twitter at least some of the transcriptions of those comments, read about them in articles and things like that. But fun sometimes to be able to hear the raw audio too and say, here's what it sounded like. Here's as John Mozeliak is sort of addressing the state of the team and the state of the offseason and what they did do, didn't do. Here's what it sounded like in the room. So we're going to provide that opportunity today on B-Shape Daily. The last episode we dove more into sort of the specifics of moves that were made or not made, whether it was the approach to getting a catcher, why they went the free agent market instead of the trade market. Talked about that. Talked about, hey, did they pursue a left-handed bat? Spoiler, they did. Didn't get it done. Talked about the reasons for that. John Mozeliak gave his reasons that a lefty bat wasn't in the cards this offseason in terms of a free agent acquisition. Starting pitcher, big-name shortstop, talked about whether or not the Cardinals pursued those. The answer was not really, and Mo explained the thought process behind that as well. So a lot of interesting stuff from that on your B-Shape Daily podcast feed. Head on back if you missed it, episode 323, I believe that was. And you can uh, take all of that in. And now we'll kind of go into what I consider to be the next part because this is a similar track but a little bit of a different angle on the topic and it's the topic of the payroll. John Mozeliak, as you all probably remember, made the declaration at the end of the season that for 2023, the Cardinals' payroll would go up. And a lot was made of that. There were some who took it to mean, oh, the Cardinals are going to be big spenders this offseason and make some bold moves. Others, you know, remembering history and, and the way things have often gone for the organization with more measured moves, deliberate in the markets Uh, others thought yeah that I hear that but I'm looking at the ways it could happen and it could happen with maybe one move and not a whole lot else or yeah they're going to have their payroll go up but guys are going to get raises and arbitration so it's kind of a it's a red herring a little bit that's the the payroll going up isn't going to be all that exciting everybody calm down 
But people took that in different ways because when you hear it stated so plainly, the payroll is going up, that definitely invites some intrigue, invites some speculation. And so now that we sort of know the way the offseason did play out with the signing of Wilson Contreras, not anything else for the Cardinals. I would say not much else, but that would not even be uh, fully describing the situation. They didn't do anything else uh, in terms of additions to the the major league roster, the guys that we would consider for the starting lineup or the starting rotation or even key bullpen roles. You know, guys were added uh, sort of uh, on the periphery, but I don't think any major moves at all beyond the Wilson Contreras signing. And so that was a topic that came up. And I'm going to play here the first audio clip where it was broached in the media session with John Mazalak at winter warmup. And the question, I'm going to play the question as well from Derek Gould, because even within the question, you, you can sort of hear Mozeliak as he's about to react to it. He sort of laughs at one point, uh, you know, waiting to hear the full question, then get his answer out. You kind of get the sense that it's not his favorite topic, but in fairness to the question, which I think is a good one, it's one that a lot of fans heard that quote from the end of the season, payroll will go up, and they uh, took it in, in some different directions. And so you'll hear and get a sense for the direction John Mozeliak meant it in, and we'll talk about and react to, to some of his words and play maybe one or two clips from the exchange because other questions uh, as follow-ups later on were asked about it as well. So here's the first clip. You'll hear the question from Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and then the response from Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak. Mo, it was, uh, it was in this room where you kind of set the stage for the offseason there at the after and so the payroll is going to go up. In the end, calculus, it has. But as far as, like, new additions, it was only the one significant move. How do you kind of view that where you are right now? Did you hit your target? And how do you put that in the frame of a market that went berserk for spending in the National League? Well, let's start with the question, will payroll go up? Sure. Right? And I answered yes. Has payroll gone up? Yes. Okay. Now, did it go up as high as your guys' expectations? Or fans. Fans? That's the eyes of beholder, right? Like, like, it doesn't mean that that we weren't looking to invest in other things. We already touched on that, like some of the areas we did. Now, unfortunately, we didn't achieve that. But from the simple question, did payroll go up? Payroll has gone up. Do we have bandwidth to still add to this club throughout the year. Yes, we do. Um, is the market something that, 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 that had a, um, an adverse effect to possibly us spending? The answer is of course, right? Um, you know, there's, there's, the way we operate is we're gonna invest in what we think are smart investments, prudent but also investments that we, we understand that, that could have a backside negativity or loss. Having said that, you're still not going to just do something just to do something. And you're not going to just spend the spend. As I said earlier, you can always spend. And so I would say to our fans, look, we, we, we like our team. Like if, if we didn't like our team, we'd be making adjustments to our team because that's how we do things here. But um, resources that are available today and resources moving forward are definitely more than what they were in 2021, 2020, and 2019. So there's John Mozeliak. Interesting response to the question about payroll. 
kind of feels like a touchy subject, right, in the way that it was answered. Because in his mind, he's saying, I said payroll would go up and it has done so. Uh, where, you know, where is the the confusion in that is sort of, I think, the perspective of John Moselleck. Now, he, he acknowledges, you know, did it go up as much as you guys asking the questions? And then Derek says, well, or the fans. And he says, okay, did it go up as much as the fans might have expected? That's the eyes of the beholder is what John Moselleck says. But what is really interesting in the part that you'll hear coming up from this next clip was Ben Fredrickson circling back and asking for a little more clarification. And you'll hear again, Mozeliak will say, I don't know what else to say because I said it would go up and it did. Where is the disconnect here? But then Ben asks a very relevant follow-up to that, I think, that um, sort of describes where Cardinals fans are at in this. And, and, at least puts it out in the open that, well, did things go exactly the way the Cardinals internally thought they would go in the offseason? And you get an answer to that question from John Mozeliak here in this next clip. Clarification on the payroll conversations that after the season ended. Is it, in your eyes, was it a misunderstanding of the comment or was it a change in direction based off of some of the changes in the market? Uh, no, I, it was factual. It went up. I don't know what else to say. It didn't go up. It may have not gone up as much as no. I, I, it didn't go up as much as you expected. No, I, th- I think we 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 could have spent more, but we're not just going to spend to spend. Yeah. My guess is by the season's end, it'll probably be spent. And so there you go. Right. I think you have the a, a pretty full picture of it. There were some other aspects of it that were discussed, but those were the main two clips I thought that would kind of give the details as to how the organization views it, right? Like most starts off saying, well, you know, the payroll went up, but did it go up as much as fans expected or the media? You know, you guys, you're putting our feet to the fire. Is it, did it meet your expectations? I don't know. That's the eyes of the whole beholder is, is what most says. But when you hear from Ben, like, okay, but did it go up as much as you guys thought it would go up? Like, did the offseason play out the way that you thought? And at that point, most says, well, no, it didn't. Uh, we, we thought we we would probably end up spending more than we did, and uh, it didn't happen that way. Now, he adds at the end, my guess is by the end of the season, the money will be spent, and you'll see that that play out as we, you know, add, and, and that leaves room. He's, he used the term bandwidth. They've got bandwidth to add to the payroll, and that could, again, take on a variety of forms. It feels like a conversation we've heard in past years, right? We say, well, we didn't maybe address all of the aspects of the roster that we could in the offseason, but it's a fluid situation because in July there will be a whole different set of circumstances for the market and we can attack it that way. And certainly the Cardinals, you know, they probably will do that if there are needs at the trade deadline or ahead of the trade deadline and they're able to uh, fill some of them that way. Now it won't be via free agency at that point, probably unless there's something bizarre that happens, but Certainly, the trade avenues would be open for the Cardinals to make additions. But, of course, at that point, you are beholden to whatever the market is asking in terms of player costs for guys, right? If you want to add an impact player, you're going to have to give up players at that point. The offseason, the beauty of the offseason is that it can be done for only money, and you don't have to give up talented young players in order to get something back. And Bill DeWitt, when he had his media session at Winter Warm-Up, described his preference to do things that way. He said, I'd rather spend money than spend in terms of talent in a trade to make our team better. And that's always my motto as well. If I'm talking about it from the outside looking in, yeah, you'd rather 
always spend money. It's just going to cost you money. It's just money. It's there's nothing. There's no other consequences besides the financial ones in free agency. But you heard a lot of conversation from Mo about the market and the notion of did okay did the way the market played out did that have an impact on our ability or our willingness, however you want to describe that, to add in the ways that we thought we'd be able to at the beginning of the offseason? And, and the answer to that seems to be yes. He, he said that multiple times in multiple ways in the clips that you just heard, that the market did have an impact. And it's not difficult to see how that might be, but also there's a conversation of at what point do the Cardinals have to look at year over year these markets – I don't know if the term is surprising them. I don't know if they were necessarily surprised by some of the deals. Maybe in terms of the length for shortstops in, in the big marquee bats that went, guys like Bogarts and Trey Turner and, and Correa, at least initially. Obviously, he went through three different teams before finding the one he was actually going to land on. But those long, you know, 10, 12-year contracts, like the Cardinals maybe didn't think in terms of that. They thought, okay, if a Dansby Swanson is available for – five years, kind of like Wilson Contreras was, then maybe we pay a little bit more to keep a guy for a little bit less in terms of a term on the contract. And that's the way we make our mark in free agency. They were able to do that with Wilson Contreras because Wilson Contreras was falling over himself to be a Cardinal. Like it benefited the Cardinals that Wilson Contreras already, I mean, he told his agent, yeah, I'll go wherever, but you know, it's not really about getting the bottom dollar. It's uh, if I can be a Cardinal, that would be my preference over taking a little more money elsewhere. Like these are things that Wilson Contreras had told his agent that has been reported widely. So that helped in that regard. I don't know that there was anybody else in the free agent market that had that sort of desire to be a Cardinal. And the Cardinals, I don't think we're probably very close to adding anybody else in free agency of that caliber where you're talking a five-year 80 million dollar sort of contract I don't think that I don't think that they were ultimately close to that because the guys that they would have maybe considered in that range didn't fall to that price range they they went for sticker price right market value plus some because that's sort of the way that free agency for the high-end guys went this offseason but what offseason has that not been the case is my sort of question um because yeah the best talents getting the most money that's been the way baseball has gone for a number of years and the Cardinals have their method and their way of doing things and it obviously works but it's sort of like if you break it down who are the the, the stars and the faces of the Cardinals that the team has spent on from the outside to to build the team that they have now Goldschmidt Arenado Wilson Contreras you know that's a that's basically it in terms of when the guy joins the team, you know it's going to be a large financial sum. Goldschmidt signed an extension almost immediately after the trade. Arenado's contract was already in play when they when they acquired him. They signed Wilson Contreras. Other guys like Miles Michaelis is on the last year of a contract, but when they initially signed him, it was like a two-year deal, and they extended him right away because they liked what they saw. Everything else has been guys, you know, that are younger in the arbitration process building the core of what they have. Guys like Tommy Edmond, guys like Tyler O'Neill, right? Dylan Carlson, a lot of homegrown guys or guys you you acquired early on in their in their careers to where they're not making those big big bucks on long contracts just yet. So I think this offseason more than any other you get a real feel for 
if you didn't know it already, the way the Cardinals, whether it's by choice or by force, end up operating in free agency, it's they need the specific guys that want to come play here to come available, and then they very selectively seek out those guys, and when there's a match, you you form your, your team that way. And realistically, you're not going to end up with a ton of outside talent anchoring your team when that is what you're relying upon, basically, to say, well, we're not just going to be able to bid the most money on every passing free agent that we think would be helpful to the team, right? Like a Carlos Rodon, I looked at the contract that he got from the Yankees and thought that's actually not all too substantial. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. It was like six, seven, eight years, something like that, $26, 28000000 million a year. Obviously a huge contract, but not altogether surprising for what I assumed arguably the best starting pitcher on the market at the time would get. I'm removing like the Furlanders and the the Max Scherzer's out because I think he had already signed by then, both those guys, and they're both like 40 years old, so that's not the same. Um, you had Jacob deGrom, obviously, was on the market, but he had signed with the Rangers, I think, before Rodon did. So, And you knew that the Cardinals just weren't going to spend on those guys because they're all getting 30 $35 million. Rodon was maybe the one guy, a little younger, Still fits what you'd be looking to do as a power lefty strikeout pitcher. Maybe that would be the ad you could make. But as we talked about in, in the last episode of B-Shape Daily, Cardinals weren't really that involved, if at all, in the marquee free agent starting pitching market. Uh, the Cardinals never really looked into that, and most said that might be a strategic mistake. We look back on that and, and wish we had done it differently, but our hope is that it won't be considered a mistake. Our hope is that it works out, which, of course, I think that's the hope of Cardinals fans as well. But... There's just a little bit of, yeah, couldn't you have anticipated maybe needing some help? And that's kind of the question that folks will be wondering going into spring training. And then three, four months from now, we'll be looking back and it will either be saying, yep, it happened for the third year in a row that it's July and the Cardinals are now borderline desperate to get some starting pitching help because the either the guys they had haven't performed, haven't stayed healthy, combination of the two, whatever it might be. You know, the last two Julys, you've been pressing the panic button for pitching help at the deadline. And it meant trading Harrison Bader to get Jordan Montgomery. It meant trading for Jose Quintana. And the previous year, it was, you know, they, they had traded for multiple guys then as well, Lester and Jay Happ. I mean, they were desperate both of those years. The first year, they sort of went bargain bin. I think they only gave up Lane Thomas and John Gant, really, for Happ and Lester. And it worked out because they were able to have that big long run in September to get to the playoffs. And then this past year, they knew they had a more competitive team. It wasn't just like a, a random flyer. They had to give up some pieces to get Quintana and to get Montgomery. And Montgomery was done with an eye on 2023 as well, knowing he would be under team control. So those moves were made. But that was that was those were examples of giving up players instead of money for the need to fix your problems. And they can do that. They might do it again in July if they need to. But always in the offseason, it seems like the narrative, at least from, from where I sit, the narrative is sort of, hey, the money, you know, these resources will be deployed by the end of the season. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's like, okay, that is true. But you're not going to be signing a free agent starter in July. You're going to be trading for one if you have to. Um, same thing with a bat if you come up short offensively, which I don't know is as big of a concern when you look at the pieces that the Cardinals have, like they do have a good team. And Mosaic said, if we didn't like our team, we'd be doing things to fix it. But we do like our team. And it sort of boils back to what we talked about earlier in the week on B-Shape Daily. 
some of the guys that underperformed last year, the Carlsons, the O'Neills, the Jack Flaherty's not being healthy. If those guys bounce back, good to go. And I think that's true, but how large is the font on that if? Is it a big font where you go, well, it's a pretty big if, but I don't expect it, or do they have some level of confidence that it's going to be? Clearly, they're confident enough because they do want to win. I don't think uh, Cardinals fans get frustrated, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, the Cardinals aren't out to try and lose. You know, they all would like to win. It it just, they aren't going to go to the lengths, I think, sometimes outside opinions would like them to do. Not always going to spend the most, not always going to be the most aggressive to trade for stars at the risk of maybe giving up some some prospects. Because they know down the road, if if you do that and it doesn't work out, a la Sandy Alcantara, they're going to hear about it for the next decade. Because now he's the best pitcher in the Ameri- or the National League, pardon me, won the Cy Young Award, and the Cardinals got nothing to show for it. So you do have to think about both sides of things. But I thought this was interesting as well. We'll play this part of it and I think kind of get out of here. We could talk about like the Valley Sports Midwest stuff. It, that was discussed later on, um, but I don't really know that there's a, a money quote necessarily um, from that, maybe maybe on another day, if you have interest in hearing like all the the words that were spoken by Bill DeWitt and Bill DeWitt the Third about the TV rights situation, because we know that with Bally Sports and and Diamond Sports, whatever they're called, it's going bankrupt and it's going to impact the way the RSNs, the regional sports networks, are uh, are utilized moving forward. It's not really an if, but a when kind of question at this point. And acknowledging that the Cardinals draw a significant amount of revenue from that. So maybe that all played into it in the offseason. If you want to hear more about that, I can maybe make it into its own episode later on. Um, but for today, I'm, I'm not going to include any of that stuff. Just know that it's kind of floating around out there. And understandably for the Cardinals, they've got to be considering those things because it's true their TV contract does get them a nice hefty sum each year. And if that sort of goes poof, you have to ask about the contingencies of, well, what do we do now? So I, I do think there's merit to that, but I don't want to get a whole lot into it because there's just so much uncertainty right now. We don't really know. Uh, it would just kind of be baseless speculation on on where things go from here, which could be fun. So let me know, at bshafer12 on Twitter. If you want to hear more about that, we could talk more about that. Uh, but the last quote I think I want to play from Mo today is uh, sort of dialing back, pertaining to the payroll. But the question of do the Cardinals maybe need to shift their model if each year they say, wow, the market. You all see that market? That's crazy. But then... We're going, well, that's been two, three, four, five years in a row. The market's been, quote, unquote, you know, crazy, whatever. Yes, I think it escalates each year. This year was crazier than any previous, but it's it's a pattern more than uh, an aberration at this point. So that was a question that was asked. I'll play that, and we'll we'll kind of react to that, too, before we get out of here on B-Shape Daily. So your model is going to be tested now that we're a month and a half removed and all the signing. Has the model been tested, and did it pass? Well, it's it's not a, a pass fail, Derek. It's 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 understanding like the the value of what you're paying for, right? Simply put, you you either produce runs or you prevent runs, and you can reverse engineer on the market what you should be paying for those based on what your payroll is or your revenues are, at, relative to market. Has the market moved? Yes. So, do we need to change the uh, denominator sometime? Perhaps, and you know that's something we're looking at. But that doesn't mean you're going to simply make a decision just to appease something that we didn't really believe was going to marginally or, or I should say incrementally change our club or make ourselves better. 
Um, obviously, there's sort of two hats you wear when you're in this decision mode. There's the short view, meaning how's it going to affect our club today, versus what some of these implications might look like in the long view. And having said that, I do think the long view is something that we have to take a harder look at because clearly when you look at what was spent this offseason in those markets, you know, things are changing. So I think that's a really interesting conversation you heard there from Derek Gould and then John Blazalak responding to the question of, all right, you said the model would be tested. The Cardinals have their way of doing things. Did the model pass the test that was administered this offseason by the, you know, by the markets playing out? And Mo says, well, it's not a pass-fail. That's not the way we're looking at this in the immediate time of, you know, all this just happened. I mean, there haven't even been games played yet, so I think it's a fair question, but I also think it's fair of Mo to say, we don't know yet. I mean, do we need to be considering these things? Yes. Do I also have to wear the hat of keeping in mind the long view and not just the first couple of years of what a long contract would be? Yes. Um, But it's a balancing act, and it's one that I think it's fair to say the Cardinals are – a little bit at risk of becoming behind the curve on if it hasn't happened already. Uh, because like I said, I think when you look at the the situations in which the Cardinals bring in big names, very isolated. You can you can boil down each case to how and why it happened. Arnauto wanted to be a Cardinal. He was texting Adam Wainwright trying to get here for a number of years. Show this to Mo, right? Show this video of me working hard to Mo so he'll trade for me. Goldie... Probably, you know, I don't think there have been as many uh, anecdotes about Goldschmidt trying to weasel his way onto the Cardinals. Not weasel, but you know what I'm saying. Trying to trying to say, hey, there's where I want to be. I don't know if it was so outward as, as Nolan was, but I think you can make the same case that Paul Goldschmidt was born to be a Cardinal. I mean, just the way he goes about playing, it's a perfect fit. Arnauto and the Cardinals was a perfect fit. I think Wilson Contreras, the fact that he wanted to be here, the fact that the Cardinals needed a catcher to replace Molina, and the fact that he's got a lot of skills that are going to help the team, particularly offensively at a position where they just haven't had that in recent years. That was a perfect fit. And the cost was, you look at all the free agent deals done, the one that you look, oh, Wilson Contreras. Okay. That not a hundred million, not 90 million, not, you know, that was the one deal that I think I looked at and thought, oh, that's actually a pretty good bargain for the guy. I thought it would, you know, if you're talking about sticker shock, I think it would have ended up being more. I don't think the average annual value was too much on the Contreras deal. I would argue that they got an extra year for the amount of money that I thought it was going to be. So, solid deal. But all very isolated incidents to where you can't just count on that happening every time. Look even a little bit further back at times where it didn't set up predetermined, predestined for a guy to become a Cardinal, and the Cardinals end up getting that guy. Like Dexter Fowler is a good example. Mike Leake is another example. I think the Leake contract was a disaster. I think the Fowler contract, ultimately, people remember as a disaster, but it probably wasn't as bad as you think it was. Fowler just retired, uh, announced his retirement over the last week, actually, from Major League Baseball. And I was looking at his numbers and thought he had an 850 OPS his first year with the Cardinals. 2018, he was terrible, but, uh, you know, that just inexplicably bad. Had some injuries, I think, too. 2019 bounced back to a 750 OPS and had a career high 19 home runs for a team that made the NLCS. So like Dexter Fowler had some good moments in St. Louis, no doubt about it. But you look at the way those deals came to be versus the ones that we're talking about now. And you can, it's not hard to spot the difference to say, okay, the Cardinals thought they were going to go a different route at those respective positions in the offseason. David Price instead of Mike Leake. 
in the in the Fowler season, it was Adam Eaton that was traded, um, and, and the Cardinals weren't going to meet that ask on the trade, and so they they went out and again pivoted to free agency for Dexter Fowler. Kind of the way it went this offseason in terms of a catcher. Oh, the trade market is crazy. We're not paying that. Let's pivot to another Chicago Cub and sign him at the position of need. There's some similarities there, right? But I, I think in the case of Contreras, there was interest there the entire way. Fowler, I'm sure there was interest, but I think the Cardinals really thought they were going to trade for somebody. And so that's what I'm saying, though. That Fowler situation was like five, six years ago. That The fact that we're talking about in 2023, well, the market, you know, it was such that we weren't able to do the things we thought we could do. All right. I mean, this is not a new phenomenon for markets to ebb and flow and have some crazy things happen. Should at some point the Cardinals be willing to go a little bit beyond their comfort level, whether it be in terms of players or in terms of money, that's something that they need to be looking at. John Mozellick said, we need to be looking at at that because we know that the circumstances have changed. The markets are different. I would say don't ever do it in terms of players. Don't compromise in terms of the players you're willing to send in a trade. If a trade ask sounds crazy, it probably is. And John Mozellick, I think, knows those things. He, he knows from experience, right? He's fleeced other teams, and he's been fleeced. At the time, didn't know the Marcelo Zuna deal was a fleece. I wrote that it was a nice starter deal to begin the offseason as long as they added another significant piece, then they'd have a World Series contender. They didn't. Ozuna was the only big bat that really was brought in that offseason, and it turns out it wasn't enough to get him over the hump, and you lost Sandy Alcantara because of it. You lost Zach Allen because of it is what it is. So I would never want to compromise in terms of the player talent that I'm willing to give up as a, as a GM or a president of baseball ops because – that can come around to bite me in a, a really uncomfortable way as I'm facing the reigning Cy Young Award winner the next season. But the money, I think, is where you can change. The money is where you are definitely able to make some adjustments. It, you just got to find the willingness to do it, I think, as an ownership group, as a front office. Because other teams are doing it, and that is the cost of doing business at this point if you want premium talent, unless you find a few more diamonds in the rough where it's like, I don't know how we got Paul Goldsmith, but it happened. Or Renato, that was crazy. You know, I, those are great when they happen. Is it realistic to expect that every three years, one of those is going to pop up and you're going to cardinal away yourself into a really good situation? Maybe it is realistic. Maybe that's a model that can work. It's going to have some disappointments during the in-between, but Heck, it's happened, you could argue, three times within the last five or six years. Goldsmith, Arenado, and now Contreras. So maybe it is it is fine, and the Cardinals are being polite when they say, yeah, we got to look at our model, when internally maybe they just think, no, our model's working. I don't know why everybody's so upset. Obviously, people are upset because they want to see advancing in the playoffs, and that's not really something that's happened in recent years. Got to the NLCS in 2019, but since then it's been lean. 2019 is four years ago, right? So... You understand the consternation. I certainly do. And that's why people want to see the Cardinals be more aggressive because in in our minds, hey, aggression is going to mean getting to that place that, that the team hasn't been in a while. And so I think there are merits for that argument. It's just clear right now that the Cardinals are in a position where they're not going to push all their chips in on something that they are not certain about. I think that's a good way to describe it. They feel pretty sure about Wilson Contreras. Are they dead certain about him? Who knows? Are there concerns defensively? Or is he maybe going to break down as a catcher defensively in three or four years? Yeah, maybe. But in terms of what they needed this offseason and how well he fit the billing, I think it was only natural that that marriage happened. In terms of other players, you know, I, sure, Carlos Correa, especially as his, his price dropped because of the injury concerns, 
that would have been a, a spot to pivot to for me. Just get another impact bat. Don't care where he plays. Trey Turner, Bogarts, obviously those guys were costly in the market. Correa still, he spent a bunch. The Twins got him back, but it cost him a bunch of money, just not 12 years. It was like six or seven. Cardinals got to be comfortable with those risks, though, is, is where I am coming down on it, and I just don't think they were. Carlos Rodon is the one that I'm going to be watching very carefully over the next five years or so with his contract uh, with the New York Yankees because I think he was the one that if you were going to go all in, it would have been proper to do. Now, this dude might blow out his arm by mid-May, and nobody's going to remember that we said, oh, the Cardinals have got to sign this guy. John Mozeliak could be sitting there at that point saying, see, this is why we don't do this. We don't do $30 million for a pitcher, $28 million for a pitcher for the next six, seven years because it is not viable. The one time they were willing to do it was David Price, and Boston swooped in and outbid them at the last moment. Cardinals did not even get a chance to match. Look how that turned out. David Price was not a good investment for the Red Sox. So, yes, it's important to acknowledge both sides. Yes, I understand why Cardinals fans want to see the team be more aggressive, especially when those proclamations about payroll and stuff are made. You want to see that followed up with swift action. It does make for some very interesting conversation, though, because I do think, I do agree that the Cardinals have a pretty good team on hand for 2023. Did they do enough to catch the Dodgers of the world, the Mets of the world, the Braves of the world, you could even argue? The Phillies, heck, the team that beat them this past year. Phillies signed Trey Turner. I mean, they made a significant splash again in the offseason after getting to the World Series. The Cardinals catch those teams. I don't think they, they did without getting some significant improvement from the internal guys that, that underperformed last year. And Cardinals seem to be counting on that happening, so we'll see how that plays out. But I do believe, and this is, again, a conversation that we've had, one that we'll continue to have to have, when you look at the new landscape and the way the playoff format works, if you're not one of the top two division winners in the NL, you're dealing with that best two out of three. And the Cardinals have admitted, Bill DeWitt reiterated it at winter warm-up, said that's not, you know, those two out of threes are a little bit random, right? You can't just get all up in arms because we didn't win a two out of three. You know, Ryan Helsley doesn't hurt his finger. We win game one. Who knows? The momentum changes. That was sort of his mindset. And he's right. But the problem with that is if you're not willing to go the extra level to avoid the two out of three by being one of the top two records in the National League in terms of the division winners, instead of being that third division winner in the Central, as they were this last year, had to play the wild card round. If you're not willing to get to that level, that's sort of the the sandbox you are destined to play in. And so how does that bear out? I think is a really interesting conversation. Plenty more conversations about the Cardinals to come on B-Shape Daily. Make sure you're locked and loaded and subscribe to the show because I am ready to go for 2023 on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Make sure you subscribe and check out the Patreon. It's the way to support me. I'll talk more about it as I'm ready to put more stuff onto the Patreon starting uh, in, in mid-February here coming up at spring training. But... Get in now, and uh, I don't think you'll regret it. So appreciate you guys as always. That's patreon.com slash bshafer12. But just make sure you're subscribed to the free stuff for now. The podcast, that's the main thing, and uh, we'll build it from there. So appreciate you guys as always, and we'll talk to you again on Bshafe Daily. Peace.